0: Good morning. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Today's reading comes from Exodus thirteen, one through sixteen. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both a man and a beast is mine. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today in the month of Abib you are going out, and when the Lord brings you unto the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, and you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days, no leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen. Excuse me, shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt, and it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep his status at its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all the first opens all that first opens the womb. All the firstborns of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or, if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come your sons ask you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, By a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborns in the land of Egypt both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males to first open the womb, but all the firstborns of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or or frontlets between your eyes. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. This is the God's word.
1: Let's pray together. Lord, we desire to worship you. And even now, as there are so many things competing for our attention, let us focus. Holy Spirit, would you take hold of our hearts and our minds, that your word may come alive and we may be able to live in a way that would be pleasing to you because we've been able to understand your word. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you're new to Macav. Uh, Couple house tipping, housekeeping notes. Uh, there's a brother coming through with Bibles. Uh, raise your hands and he'll give you one. Um, house tipping, what is that? Uh, <laughs> and then we also desire to live out the gospel. And so, uh, me talking the whole time and you leaving without understanding is not the goal. Uh, That may happen where you listen the whole time, but our prayers that you leave with understanding. And so if you have a question that you think will truly help the entire congregation understand the gospel better, then we want to invite you to even ask it now or, or ask it during service. Uh, Simply raise your hand. Uh, But if it's like a little point that you just want some clarity on and you think it would be a blessing to you, but it's not for the whole congregation, then we ask that you ask me after service and I would love to help you in any way I can. There is a a thing that you can relate to. If you've ever been a student, if you've ever been a pupil, if you've ever had a chance to sit inside of a classroom, uh, there's something that you can relate to. I've been... Blessed to work in a school system, I was uh, a support to a teacher in a teacher's classroom for about a year. Um, And there was something that I noticed. I noticed that almost every teacher had the same desire. Almost every teacher desired for the students to be able to understand the information now I'm not saying all teachers were the same I'm not saying they all were good but they all had this desire to see the kids get the content and so some teachers use worksheets the best known teaching tool of all right that's a joke y'all sorry some teachers use worksheets but some really good teachers the teachers that you remember that like stand out to you like They came up with some creative ways for you to be able to get the content, but they had a process that you wrestled with in order to do it. So maybe, maybe in order to learn the Gettysburg Address, you made a big collage of the Gettysburg Address. You know, maybe your teacher let you, you know, create a rap song to talk about civil rights. What? Civil rights. Okay. (laughs) You know, maybe it was uh, as a kid, you guys played ABC bingo to help you learn your ABCs, whatever it was that teacher came up with a process so that you would understand the information family today as we dive into the book of Exodus, the book that we've been covering for some months now. God creates this process so his people would understand how to worship him all for one goal. And the goal is that they would keep the covenant. Keep the covenant. So, fam, we're going to turn to chapter 13 in the book of Exodus as we continue in our series. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 16. Now, I typically go in a sequential order and go through 1, 2, all the way down to 16. But this time we're going to do things a little bit differently because the uh, the story is kind of bookend one and two also go along with 11 and 16. So I'm going to come back to those together because they kind of sandwich the text for today. Uh, And the, the goal of both of those texts is to talk about consecration and redemption. So we're going to get back to that. But we're actually going to start today in verse three. Talking about leaven, leaven, leaven bread. In verse three, it says, then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. And then I'll slide down with me to verse seven and eight, where it says unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. No leaven, no leaven. I, I keep, I was reading this and I kept getting drawn to this, this image. Did anybody in here used to watch this show back in the day? It had like, I think it's, it's heightened era, it was like late 90s, it was called Cops. bad boy, bad boy, you know what I mean? Okay, it's a show called Cops. And with cops, they would always, like, come, kind of, like, stake out the scene. Then they would open the door up, come in the house, and they'd start looking around, trying to find stuff. And I get this picture of, like, a cop just being like, yep, we got him. He's got uh, 20 ounces of leaven. We got him. There's, there's, this, there's this concept that, that this leaven is is not to be used in bread, but it's not to be within your entire house, within your entire territory. Um, leaven is, and so I'm, I'm not the cook in my home. My wife is the amazing cook, and I'm blessed to have her. So when I start talking about food, I don't know a whole lot. But what I did do was look up the process for making bread, all right? So the process for making bread I I had a few different um, uh, recipes we're looking at. And this one recipe had four different steps, about five components to each step. So there's about 20 things you do to get the the bread ready, all right? I, I, I brought a little visual aid because leaven, step one, number one, is that you take yeast, pour it in warm water, and then begin the process. Leaven allows bread to rise. It allows and it's what makes it soft. It gives a a foam to the dough so that it actually has some some it'll bounce back when you squeeze it a little bit. And so, leaven is this concept that 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 is communicated throughout the Old Testament, but specifically here, it's this concept that God is trying to say I want your attention now. And here's the here's the analogy. You've got the people of God in slavery they're, They've been in slavery for generations. Some of them have only known slavery and you have women cooking, making bread. And as they're preparing the bread, God says, now is the time that I'm going to free you. I'm going to set you free. It actually says that that the people of God were thrust out of Egypt. That this wasn't a slow progression. It was like, hey, now's the time. I'm setting you free. Go. And imagine if a woman's making this bread. Slavery's just happened. They've been now freed from it. And instead of going, she says, no, Lord. I actually want to wait and let my bread rise. Foolish, huh? Stupid, huh? What, what, what worth does that leaven offer? None. A holy God is trying to free you from slavery. So don't even consider waiting. Leave immediately. You see, we see throughout the Bible, and there's, there's a, one small instance where leaven is seen as a good thing, but usually leaven is actually seen as sin. I want to take your attention to um, to a couple of ways in which in which sin and leaven are used interchangeably. Matthew chapter 16 verses 5 through 12. I, would, I was going to try to summarize it, but Jesus says it so well, I thought it's better to just read his words. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, oh, you of little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not yet remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gathered or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I do not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to be aware of the leaven of the bread, but the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. See, the Pharisees and Sadducees, these were people who looked the most upright. If you saw them out on a block, you would say, that's the image of spirituality. Because they did and tried to wear all of the perfect things that they could. And Jesus is saying, their teaching, their doctrine is sinful. It's laced with leaven. So when you, when you consider, and, and sometimes I know you guys come into Macav and you get welcomed to our body and every now and then myself or Pastor Eric or one of our elders while we're teaching, will pause for a second and share with you an unhealthy doctrine. So you can be equipped when you engage with it, how to make sure that the gospel is clear and you're not tricked and duped. Why? Because there is sin in doctrines that are counter to who Jesus is. And so here, sin gets exposed as a doctrine that's different than the gospel. But look at 1 Corinthians 6 and 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Another example of how leaven is used relating to sin. First, it was one of doctrine, okay? That's easy for us to understand. Yeah, when people speak in an ill way about Jesus, yeah, that's sin. But now we begin to turn and bring it home. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. It doesn't take much, doesn't take much at all of sin to distort and disrupt character. I don't know if you guys have ever been like this, but I I have a couple friends. And when we really drop our guards down, we we laugh and joke. And, you know, there's there's a there's one friend that's a little arrogant. And his friend knows it. And so have. But but there's been times when we come into somebody that's even more arrogant and the arrogant person says something like, "Now I know I'm arrogant, but I'm not like that guy." You see the unhealth in that? How like we can we can diminish the impact of our sin? You know, you know, like like yeah, I got a little bit, but I don't. At least I don't have a lot. See, what this what this is communi- trying to communicate is that sin, even in its smallest form can corrupt the entire being of who you are. And that there's a, there's a demand for a response, that there has to be an action. What does the, the beginning of verse 7 say, those first two words? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 7. Cleanse out. We've got we've to we be a people who, when sin is present, that we would purge ourselves of it. And so God is trying to use even in, the, even in the mindset of these, of the people of God early on, family. Leaven is not something that you want present within your home even within your life and so one of the things during this week during that, that holy week, they actually have unleavened bread and it's, and it doesn't have that bounce back texture that the bread did does it it's more like a cracker that, uh, it's pretty flat some of that flavor you're used to not the same but the goal is that every time this festival would come the people of God would be preparing their house preparing their homes and preparing their hearts and you might be just like me when it's time to throw a party you clean like none other. You might do your weekly cleaning and get some stuff right, you know, on a regular. But when people are coming by, you start moving the fridge over, sweeping under the fridge, you know. you cleaning the bottom of your shoes off. you making sure everything is immaculate when you're throwing a party. You see, this is the same type of approach the people of God are to have. It's not just that you eliminate leaven only from the bread. You're actually supposed to search your entire house. Why? Because you're preparing for an experience with a holy God. So every time the people of God were to have this festival once a year. They were to rid their homes of leaven. Prepare their hearts for an experience with God. So that they could be reminded to keep the covenant. Keep the covenant. Now would you turn back to me, back with me. Uh, to chapter, to still to Exodus chapter 13. And we're going to look back at starting at verse one. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast is mine. So now we're called to, to consecrate means to set apart, to make something Excuse me, it makes something holy, that it should be set apart with a, a special designation. So you look out at all of your different animals and you don't, everything's not equal. You're actually wanting to separate this one animal to say, no, this one I get to present before a holy God who, who saved us from slavery. But then in verse 11, it also brings down when the Lord brings you into the land. So now they're setting apart something special, but the people are still coming out of Egypt. So they've not yet been able to experience the promise that the Lord has made, the promise that he got blessed, the promise that he connects back to Abraham. So now this faithful God is saying, look. It's going to get worse. You are about to go through this journey. Where I'm going to be the one who saves you. But I need to bring forth this process. I need you to get this information. Because you will be prone to forget it. So I'm going to set up something that you do every year. You're going to have this feast. You're going to clean your house of leaven. So that you remember that you're prone to be sinful. You're going to clean your house. You're going you're to get rid of this leaven. So that it can remind you that in the blink of an eye, I was the God who saved you and ushered you out. But then in verse 13, it says, every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, it you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. So what what is what is going on here? Because there's a there's a lot. You got donkeys, you got children There's an interesting mix. His brother named uh, Campbell, who wrote a, a great commentary, puts it plainly in one sentence. He says Israel was God's firstborn. God struck Egypt's firstborn. And now he is claiming the firstborn of Israel's families and flocks to belong to him. All right. So you got this system. Remember, we were talking before about education. How do you use, you know, kind of processes to help people get information? Well, the process that God is going to use is this redemption process. He's wanting people to understand that there is a cost to freedom. There is a cost to freedom. And I, as your God, just paid it for you. Okay? I just I was the one who allowed you to be set free from Egypt. The Egyptians now know it and so do you. And so, as there is a cost, now there's going to be an exchange that happens where redemption must take place. And so, so you have animals, all right? If 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 you have an animal that can be eaten, then that animal is presented before Uh, before uh, this holy God if it's an animal that is a work animal that does not get eaten then that animal actually can be purchased back it cannot be a sacrifice and you can purchase that animal back for the price of um, of an animal that can be sacrificed or you can purchase it back for five shekels which is the same cost of an animal that can be of of an animal that is um, that can be eaten and so, uh, even if you 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 are sitting there and you're saying, "God, like you have now saved us from slavery," it is my worship to you to present something f- to you to say thank you for redeeming us. There was a cost to freeing us and and saving us. That cost, God, you paid on our behalf. Now you are demanding all things are yours. And one of the ways you want us to worship, one of the ways you want us to respond is by telling us, I want your first. And I was struggling with this as I read it because I was thinking, Lord, like, how does how does how do we as people worship when we are ordered to do something? You know, like, do do you feel like it's it's true worship when someone tells you what to do? You know, I struggle with it as a person. I struggle with it, but but then I began to try to put it in like some regular terms. And if you've ever uh, worked in a in an environment, the orders is not are not what brings you joy or brings you sadness. It's actually the character that you bring forth to your environment. I was uh, working as a teacher. Uh, working in a school system, and I tell you, we all had the same time that we had to be there, 8 o'clock. Now, I know when folks were trying to get the job, they were just saying, Lord, give me a job. I'm telling you, I'm going to praise you. It's going to be on. I will do whatever. They want me to clean the floor with my toothbrush. I will do it. I'm telling you, I'm going to show you how thankful I am. Get the job. Been there couple months maybe a couple years and that that attitude that was supposed to be of thankfulness supposed to be of joy now you don't know how she treats me you don't know how he is now now everybody else is the reason for no joy the mandates to be there at eight o'clock So we all come in. Some of us come in smiling, happy with joy, and some of us come in dragging our feet, ready to talk about people, ready to have anger, depressed before we clock in. You see, worship is this thing that that even though this holy God says, I want you to bring forth this animal each year during this feast, family. This was an opportunity for people to be reminded every time I'm going through my regular rhythm of life. Stop. Clean my house. Get the sin out. Stop. Let me reflect that I didn't save myself. I wish I could have saved myself out of Egypt. I couldn't do it. This holy God did it. And all he wants is a firstborn lamb. Praise the Lord that I can give it to him. So now... When my lamb has its first child, I don't look at it as just one more thing we might be able to eat. I look at it as an opportunity to worship a holy God. See this 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 type of event took place every spring. Because that's when the, the animals usually had their first their first or usually gave birth. But what if your child excuse me, what if your lamb had a baby in November now f- for the next five months until April you get to look at that, that new lamb every time and say oh I can't wait to worship I can't wait to present you to God I can't wait to thank God for our, his saving grace over who we are the people of Israel snatching us out of slavery it's a reminder of a God who is so faithful to come through on all of his promises. That sacrificial system, man, it was a, it was a way to prepare the people to be able to understand that above all things, he made a promise to them and he kept his promise. And then we can be people that are tending to, to, to forget. And so even in these scriptures, sorry, let me go back. Even in these scriptures, it says in verse 14 and when in time and when in time to come your sons will ask you what does this mean you shall say to him by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery interesting it, 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 it's 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 kind of telling on us right that we as people can can get into rhythms. You can get into rituals. We can get into traditions, and they lack meaning to the point where you're just doing the ritual over and over again. And, see, and one of your children stops and says, "Mama, why do we do this? Why why are we why do we pray before we eat? We do it every day, three times a day, but what's what's the purpose?" You see, tradition in and of itself is not bad. The very fact that God gave them this ritual to do every year again and again is not bad. What's bad is when you're doing the ritual and it doesn't connect to God. That's bad. That's sinful. That's going through the motions. And now the effects of that specifically on the black church has like, has allowed a a generation of people who no longer want to want to connect with the church they ladies weren't told what modesty is all we told people was you can't come in here wearing pants what I can't wear pants okay okay there's times where I go through my day constantly we pray with the kids over their meals when I was preparing this sermon, I thought, if my child asked me, Dad, why do we say a prayer before we eat? Like, what am I going to say? Am, am I going to talk about our thankfulness for the food? Am I going to talk about his provision? Am I going to talk about, I'm thankful that my wife is one who was able to prepare it? Or are we going to talk about, like, Jesus being sacrificed? Like, there's so many things. What would you say? What, what, what would you say? This was convicting in two ways. One, to make sure that we have our traditions rooted in who Jesus is. Rooted in who God is. That, that, that the things we do tell the story of God. Okay? And that the tradition gives me an opportunity to talk. So you're not just going through the motions. Great, we're doing these things. We're out serving in our neighborhood. Dad, why do we serve? Okay, that doesn't mean we stop serving. Let's keep serving while we're sweeping the leaves for the neighbor. Let me tell you why we care for others in this manner. But the next thing. Some of us don't have any rituals. Some of us don't have any, any continuous things that we do again and again to remind us of God's saving hand on our lives. Okay. Okay talking to a brother he said man before my feet hit the ground I have these three things that I thank the Lord for and I thought man that could get kind of monotonous that's the only thing you do the same three things every day wait that could be an awesome way to worship Wow! before I think about what I need and before I think about the phone calls and all the emails and the kids da, da, da. nope God me and you at least these three points I got a lot of folks in here, a wide variety of ages, a lot of different demands. Some have no kids. Some have some kids. Some kids are out of the house. What rituals do you have in place to remind you of a beautiful, holy God that loves you? That loves you. Which leads to our, our next, our next verse. One of the verses we're going to try to end on. No, I can't say that. got a couple more for you. But this process of the people presenting before God. This sacrifice. It was all to remind them that this God is the one who redeems us. Okay. Now I can pay. I can come forward with my sacrifice. And if I need to, I can redeem it through shekels or through a different sacrifice. Like, there's, there's redemption that keeps happening here. And redemption is just a reminder that there was a cost for freedom. But then we see Christ step in and say, okay, you used to try to redeem things by presenting this, this animal, this sacrifice. Okay through every redemption story even here what is required is life okay so this animal is going to be going to be a substitute it's going to it's going to give of its life to remind me of a holy god okay but now jesus says i'm going to change things around a bit no longer am i going to require you to present the sacrifice I myself will be the sacrifice. And not only that, just as Israel was my firstborn, my first, my people, my child, then I asked you to give of your first child dedicated to me, give of, of, of an animal, and you can redeem those things back by payment. I now am going to send my son to be your redeemer. So now, as you gave of a life, think of generations and generations of people who kept going through the same system, same system, trying to clean the house of sin, couldn't do it, trying to present, get the, just get me, let me get the perfect sacrifice, can't do it. And then this Jesus comes in. And notice what, what Paul says about him in Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. He says this he said but when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and because you are sons God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying Abba father so you can no longer so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir Through God. Family, he now is saying, I will be your redeemer. There is a a, a cost to your freedom. You and I are not the people of Israel. We We are learning that men don't change. Okay, so as we study Exodus, we're learning from the scriptures of their need to be freed from slavery Freed from bondage that one day when they get out, there's a covenant that they're going to be tempted not to keep. And that this festival was to remind them every year. God did it. God did it. God did it. But now Jesus steps in that for us. He says, put put down the sacrifice, Marvin. Put down the put down the the goat. Put down all of these different things, and I want you to see that I am the one who redeemed you. There was a cost to your freedom from slavery to sin. And I now serve as the one who provides you that freedom. And I did it with, again, life, but it was my own. So we look and we see these festivals that are that we're called to do that we're called to that the people of Israel were called to do over and over again. But today, as a result of Jesus dying, we don't have those festivals anymore. Okay, we don't we don't have you know, we're not trying to look for the leaven in our house. I don't even know what leaven looks like, (laughs) Um, you know, that, that that's out. But Jesus does give us two new rituals. And Sam hit on this last week. So I'm just saying what he said again, because it was so right on point. Two rituals we have. The first is that of baptism. And it's where we are publicly declaring before everybody, those that love and hate us, that this Jesus is who we find our identity in. So what took place in my heart, I want to now show publicly. This is who I'm submitting and aligning my life with but then the other is communion and communion for the believer is like the ritual of unloving bread to the people of God as every year they kept doing this to remind them man he saved us man he saved us you remember our people 400 there were generations of people who were born into it and died in slavery and for some reason on this certain day he said 10th plague boom our freedom Every year they went through that. So then Jesus says, I've provided you freedom now. I now am your redeemer. The cost for you to be able to experience new life, I paid with my life. So now he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. It says, For I received from the Lord... What I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. All right. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this, excuse me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, the goal is that that we would remember what he's done. And my hope is that while you're here at Mac Ave, and Pastor Eric's hope is while you're here at Macav, that every time you take communion, we are pointing you back to what Jesus did on the cross. Now, the Bible doesn't give a frequency of how often you should take communion. But uh, our brother that preached last week, he's the things downstairs now, Sam, he came to us about a year, year and a half ago and said, hey, pastors, like. How valuable is communion? That's an interesting question to ask, Sam. Wait, what? <laughs> Very valuable. I mean, it's probably one of the after baptism, it's the only thing that Jesus told us to do as a ritual. Now live missionally, make disciples. Like we're not saying there's no other commandments, but as a ritual, that's it. So he said, Well, well, if it's that valuable, if it's that important, why don't we do it more often? And, and, and I started with my, well, man, we don't do it often because that's a lot of juice. I want to crack all, all those crackers, man. And then, and that starts realizing I'm making excuses. This is one of the, 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 only rituals after baptism that Jesus gives us to do continually to remember what he's achieved on the cross and how he has redeemed us and saved us from slavery to sin and so now we do it weekly and it's not a it's not a we don't think we're better than any, any other church that does it with less frequency our prayer though is that each time you take communion you be reminded Of a holy God who loves you, who died for you, and who says you are no longer a slave to sin. And sometimes we have weeks that are bad. Where we just need to come in and be reminded with all my mess ups this week, with all my blunders, with all the ways that I seem to fail you, Lord, I'm no longer a slave to sin family we are praying that 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 the ritual of communion that as we see these festivals that were required of the people would truly lead us to be able to talk about Christ talk about Christ in our homes talk about Christ in our community but definitely Even if communion, even if you take communion every week and it's starting to become too ritualistic for you. I want you to have the freedom to not take communion some weeks to say, you know what? Maybe I just need to stop and pray because I'm doing this with no heart. With no passion. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just taking the juice. That's not what we want. We want it to be an act of worship. So if somebody doesn't take it, don't run over to them. Oh, you've been sinning this week. You couldn't take it like easy, easy. You know, at the same time, let's, let's seriously consider this. You know, this is this is what we do in remembering what he has done. Let's not take it lightly. Will you pray with me? Father. We're doing this. Everything even communion is to remind us of your covenant with your people that you promised. you delivered it in Jesus. The festival was to remind the people of the covenant that you kept with them, that you would provide for them a holy place. It's still true for us today, Lord, that you want to provide. You have provided and conquered. You've conquered death. But Lord, after this life. There's an eternal experience that we get a chance to, to indulge in, to delight in. And Lord, you've said that you've made that promise to us. But Lord, you ask for one thing. As you've given your life, as you say, redemption is a is, is paying the cost of our freedom. That Lord, our our freedom. Isn't free. And so you ask that we give our lives to you as you've given your life for us. We're thankful, Lord. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray.
0: Amen.